Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. I am Kelly Birmingham. This is a podcast including my 25, actually 27 year now career, um, looking back across my career, working with children and adults on the autism spectrum, always doing it alongside my partner in crime, Jen Lucero, mom to Dylan and Ethan. Hi, Jen. Hey, Kelly. <laughs> and Dylan has a birthday coming up. Mm-hmm. in December. Yep. Is he going to be 23? He will be 23. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. That is unbelievable. Well, we're back. It's season three of our podcast. Yay. And <laughs> I'm so excited. We've had a lot of new listeners over the summer while we were on our break. So I'm excited to bring this back and I have just kick us off for our new season. I have two topics that I want to make sure you and I cover. And the first one without sharing names is so many people have reached out to me because, and probably you, we did a podcast that was basically called transitioning from high school or falling off a cliff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Dylan's last day in school was December 16th, correct? Yes. Yep. And he went nowhere (laughs) after that. Not, not meaning you didn't do anything, but he, yeah. it was pandemic. Oh, yeah. You tried an organization that didn't work out. There were some struggles with regional center mm-hmm. and he was just sitting at home doing nothing. And you and I were furious mm-hmm. and we podcasted, fired up <laughs> and we podcasted about it. And I know people would like to know, how is he doing? How are you doing? Um, we're, you know, we rally we get creative um he we did some really good learning lessons of you know working with regional center finding out information just to recap he was being kind of like pigeonholed and held back on options for adult day programs because he um had an EpiPen on his medical information mm-hmm. for a bee sting and it put him at a specific level of care that put him like in a medical category as opposed to um, you know what he was doing and should be doing would be more community-based and behavior-based adult day programs. Um, so we were looking at putting him in in one, it was so inappropriate for Dylan. Yep. Um, and it dragged out for about three months and then it didn't work out anyways. So I wanted to get proactive. So we went back to his doctor and I found out that there's actually a specific test, a <laughs> um, allergy test for bee sting venom um, we had that done and actually then they said he didn't need an EpiPen. He was not allergic to the bee sting. Um, and there's like different levels of whatnot that determines that. So we were actually able to take that off his record, which in turn overnight, um, you know, once I submitted it back to the regional center, and whoever the decision maker is, <laughs> and, um, you know, checking boxes uh, for certain levels of care. All of a sudden, that was not an issue. So we pursued um, pretty aggressively different 
programs based on what I had looked at a year and a half before. And so we were able to get them so far in remote learning, um, but which is better than nothing yep. um, for with Easter seals. And I love them. They're really great. Um, so right now he's been with them since mid-May. It's August now. And we're doing preparation to hopefully get him pretty soon in person. Um, it has been good because he can see like, you know, through the remote learning, like the lay of the land, um, they're very organized, um, you know, there's specific classes, he's enjoying some more than others, like, he likes the art class, there's um, cooking classes, there's um, kind of uh, anything, obviously, like Disney trivia, there's a lot <laughs> where they look at musicals, so he's, into it we did go um they did have an open house they just reopened their facility which when he gets to go back will be ideal it's two minutes from my special olympics office which could be good or bad because he can like you know he's good at directions he might be showing up at my <laughs> office door every day not yeah um but the facility is awesome um and I would say the only thing that I've learned also through this, though, which we will discuss, is that um, with the pandemic and post pandemic world, if you were not already in mm -hmm. an adult day program pre pandemic, you cannot get in right now. It, you're on a huge waiting list. Um, so unfortunately, not just Dylan, who was at because of his age at, you know, aging out at 22, but in December, because of his birthday, all of our friends that we know right now, and yep. kids that I actually yep. used to work with, um, and the school system that it aged out in May, no one is in placement. Yep. I wanted to bring that up because you and I have so many mutual friends in common, and I don't think anyone realizes that that's what's happening. If you were not in a day program prior to the pandemic, you're not getting in anywhere. Mm -hmm. you, can do, you can do the self-determination program. Mm -hmm. um, will you talk a little bit about the self-determination program for our listeners? Sure. So that is, an, there's a couple different options. You can you can either do it a day adult day program, which that's what I want for Dylan. Um, yeah. That is funded through the regional center. Um, so they fund the actual program um, and then they have to have appropriate staff. So it's based upon um, you know, your triannuals, your exit interviews and um, so let's say Dylan needs a one-on-one -on -one, um, or a two-on-one -on -one and preferably, um, you know, people that are trained in behavior intervention, um, like that's basically you get the program and it's their staff. You can take another route, which um, I, we both looked into, Kelly yep. and I. Yep. <laughs> um, I decided not to go that way for a lot of reasons, but there is a self-determination program, which it seems like um, the regional centers are really trying to push their clients towards. I've been hearing um, a lot of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 
And basically, um, it's determined on at the time you're aging now, the type of services that you have. So let's say you have behavior respite, and then you at the time your child was in a um, transition to adult program, and they're in a program, let's say five days a week, six hours per day, they're gonna take that kind of information and they're gonna add up the hours and they're gonna add up the cost and they're gonna give you basically a budget. And yep. so they'll say, look, okay, I'm just you know making it up. Hey, you get $25,000 annually. It's an annual thing. And then you have to determine like what you want to use that towards. And it can be hours for someone you're paying to, um, you know, execute like community outings and job training and like goals that you set. It could be um, things like paying for transportation. It could include um, technical devices. So let's say like Let's say like when you're in the school district, you're provided a device, but when you're out of school, they take it away. So unless you have like an iPad or a laptop that you have because you just had it, um, that's something that could be funded. Um, so it's, it's also something that you have to pick someone to actually, you come up with a plan, but you have someone that follows and documents the plan. So like I could pick someone like you or a relative, but not me. I'm the, I'm the mother, I'm the conservator, but I would not be the one that would be reviewing the plan. And so they would the person that you pick could either volunteer their time to do it, or you could pay that person to do it. But the bummer part is the hours and what would be paid if the person wants to get paid, that comes out of your annual, annual budget. And then you're also responsible as the parent or the conservator to find all your own resources and fall through, then you also have to get vendored, even though the regional center is actually paying it, but you have to be vendored because if it's someone you pick, let's say you had a great, you know, behavior interventionist that worked with your kid through the school system or wherever privately, and you want to hire that person to work X amount of hours per week with them, you have to be the vendor one because you are the person that is choosing that person. Like it's not coming from like an agency. Right. So to me, <laughs> mm -hmm. it got super complicated and it just seemed like I already had to do so much work. Like it's exhausting with Dylan between, you know, the medical care, if you're having other outside services, um, you know, just everything, just daily life and keeping up. It just seemed like this is almost like, I already feel like 
I love him and I don't mean it in a bad way, but Dylan's a second full-time job. Right. And this seemed like this was just going to add way more work and pressure because if let's say, what if you find someone, but it doesn't work out and then what happens because you come up with a plan and then if like for some reason the plan falls through, you're basically screwed and you have to like rally and it, you know, it's, it's your responsibility. The other thing I found out, which is really important is if you choose that plan, but you change your mind, you can't change your mind for that entire, um, you know, year, because once you, once you committed and they've given you an annual budget, you have to wait an entire year, say you, that you decide, hey, this isn't the best option. I want him to be in an adult day program or whatever, or group home or whatever the situation. Um, you can't just like change your mind. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And I didn't know the part about waiting annually. And I think, and it's so fun to hear Dylan laughing in the background. If yeah, he's I love having it. a good time. <laughs> he's on steroids right now. For <laughs> In for a good way. For his health. For his health. For yeah. his health. <laughs> not just recreation. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people who went the, that route with the mm -hmm. self-determination program because it was the only option, right? Yeah. And um, so for some families, it is probably, it could be a good idea. Yeah. Oh, for, yeah. For families and other providers. So myself as a BCBA. Mm -hmm. Right. I've had families ask me my opinion and say, what would you do if you were me? And so I kind of created like this hierarchy of questions that I thought mm -hmm. if I could, I could ask you and mm -hmm. you tell me what you what did how you made the decisions for Dylan. Right. Mm -hmm. So the first part of it was one, if it's the only option, would you yeah. rather have that option or wait for something else? How did you make that decision? And it sounds like that the compounding factor in that was the amount of intensive work it was going to take you on top of you already being a full-time mom, mm -hmm. full-time working and all of Dylan's medical needs that he has. Yeah, I think it, it was at the time just too much. And it just seemed like, I, I feel like, especially, and I understand, but like the state and regional center, I feel like they changed things up a lot. So part of my concern was, okay, like if I roll at this and sign up for this, how do I know? Like, it's not just going to change. Like we've had since this journey, a lot of changes and some were definitely great for a lot of people. And I understand that. But for example, when Dylan was little and we started doing ABA through the regional center, it was covered through the regional center. Mm -hmm. And when the law passed that uh, insurance had to provide ABA, that was awesome. But also then I had to go through my insurance. So then that meant I was paying, you know, deductibles and co-pays. Um, whereas when it was covered by regional center, I wasn't paying anything, right? Not that right. I'm not paying for all these other things, but that's just an example. And that is something that changed quickly, like overnight. So my fear was, okay, if I set up for this scenario and I get, you know, 
like, is this going to be the best decision? And looking back now, because there's some health issues going on, I'm, I'm so happy I did not pick that just because, um, you know, there's going to be some changes, you know, and it, I wanted really something that was comparable to what Dylan was doing that he was successful at, which was the last four years in the transition program. And I didn't want just, I want him, you know, out and doing things with multiple people and having opportunities. And it just seemed like it, it was either going to be like he was going to be with one person or um, I was going to have to find everything. Whereas if he's in an adult day program, there's more accessibility and they have more resources. Like if I picked the self-determination program, for example, and I wanted him to do job training or get a job, I'm going to have to research that and find, uh, you know, a find an employer that's going to be willing to take Dylan on plus whoever his, you know, job coach quote, you know, helper is. And that's a lot of work, you know? I yeah. mean, so I, I think there were so many aspects of that, that when I looked at it and dug deep, I was like, this is just going to like, whereas there's a set program if he's in an adult program. Does that make sense? It does. And it, uh, it strikes me when people have called me and asked me, like, uh, you know, my son, what would I, what would you do? The part that you brought up was sort of like the next question I asked people uh, is the social aspect uh -huh. of things, right? Dylan, for Dylan, Dylan wants to be with his friends and he wants to be with age appropriate friends. He doesn't want yeah. to be with like 40 and yeah. 50 year old people that yeah. have health issues in a day hab. He wants to be with people his age. Yeah. He likes to be social and socialization mm. is a major goal for him and you, right? Yeah, for sure. Part. I do know a couple of families that went the self-determination route for a year because they had very specific goals mm -hmm. around developing some skills that didn't involve socialization, but involve like community um, navigation, yeah. um, you know, specific around maybe grocery shopping and mm -hmm. um, um, transportation that mm -hmm. didn't require the sociability mm -hmm. aspect of it. And so I think that's important for when families are making this decision is like, what is your ultimate goal in mm -hmm. this program? And Dylan is at his best when he's with his friends. Yeah, for sure. Or maybe not necessarily out with friends, but out and doing like things where he is around a bunch of people. Like, right. Like last week, um, like he, he loves musical theater and um, we took him out and it was a bunch of us, but you know, it was like four of us took him out and we went and there's a ton of people and like, you know, he loved it and he was perfect. And there was a ton of people and it was very long, you know, and it was at night and, but you know, it was outside. It was kind of like more of a, you know, amphitheater type of setting. And we brought a picnic and, but he was so pumped for it that he sat down in the lawn chair and he didn't move. And, you know, he had his um, playbill and was reading it. And I, you know, and I kept saying, do you want to walk around? Do you want to do stuff? He only 
took off with my dad once because he saw um, they had a Wizard of Oz store and that's where he found the Toto. Cool. But um, he didn't flinch. And then it was funny because, you know, when he likes something because with intermission comes and he's not feeling it, he's like, see ya, let's yeah. count. <laughs> but he was loving it. And he said to me, like, he's, I'm like, hey, you know, how you doing? And he's like, he knew I was intermission. He's like, go to the bathroom. And I'm like, all right, let's go. Went to the bathroom, came back, sat down and boom, like, you know, sat until the rest of the thing. But that's an example or just, you know, today he went to Discovery Science Center and like he just wants to be around people. And it's not to say he's like totally socially interacting with people, you know, like sometimes, especially when I was younger, I used to laugh. We already call him like Bam Bam because like he'd stand by a girl like at the uh-huh, you know, yeah the end of the playground, but he'd like either drag her around or just stand there and not know what to do. But to him, like he's like having a good time, like he wants to be around people. And and so I just so think why it's so important for him. And again, like you said, you know what? I'm talking about Dylan and our situation. I, you know, I if something works for them and they really feel that they want to give it a shot that's great you know I just for me the you know the cons outweighed the pros when I looked at the whole thing gotcha so the amount of so in a self-determination program the parents really like the program manager and the financial manager and the scheduler and the planner I literally came up with I had to um, there's a couple of different programs. There's also one called um, PAWA, which is like personal assistant, mm-hmm. um, you know, program. And I filled that out as well. Um, and I was looking at that as well. Um, in the meantime, when we were waiting for adult day program, that was crazy too, because I had to come up with and submit a weekly calendar. So it's a daily calendar, Monday through Friday. And there were sets of different um, categories of goals. And I had to write down and it had to have like hour per hour, um, what goals we were going to work on, what they were, where they were, and they had to fit a certain category. I had to do that all myself. I tried to base it on um, his um, academic goals and, um, you know, self-help goals and everything based on his triannual and also kind of use like his weekly calendar that he was doing a transition program. But I had to do that. I had to do it like four different times and submit it. And then it went through and got approved. And then I had someone in mind that I wanted and they wanted to do it too. And then I found out that they wanted to pay this person minimum wage, $15 an hour when they were making like way more than that, like through the, you know, a different agency. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, dude, $15 an hour. Are you crazy? Like, I mean, I see signs up at McDonald's and in and out where you can start like, you know, almost 17, 19 or more dollars an hour. So unless you have like, you know, a person that is just, you know, doing it out of the kindness of their heart, but 
it's almost like it would be embarrassing to actually ask someone to do that. Jane, like when, when people have done that type of program, mm -hmm. um, what I found is it's usually a family member they're paying. Yeah. And it's a family member that's doing it because they're involved in the person's life. So, yeah. so there's day program, there's the self-determination program. Mm -hmm. And I forget what was the name of that program. It's called PAWA. Yeah. AWA. It's like personal assistant yep. thing. But again, even that was like, it was a lot of work. It was, I felt like strange where I felt like, why am I coming up with what this program is going to be? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it would seem like someone else should be coming up with that and telling me what it should be and what I should be doing. It seemed very odd to me that I had to like map that out myself. You yeah. know, again, a lot of work and pressure, you know? <laughs> And for some people, it might be a good solution. And unfortunately, yeah. during the pandemic, those are two of the only solutions people have faced. Um, and now for now that, a, and I personally know for Dylan, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, he also likes to, he spent 22 years of his life getting up and going out to school. He wants to get up and go out and do his day. Yeah. Right? I mean, even the basics like of it, one of the hardest things in the beginning was that the bus didn't show up in the world, yeah. you yeah. know, because he loved that he relied on that. And, um, and honestly, it did it purposely, you know, I mean, I at this, there was a point in time I worked in the school district and I worked at the same school, but I, I wanted him to go on the bus and yep. he wanted to go on the bus. You yep. know what I mean? It was, it, it was a routine. It was a social thing, you know? Um, I mean, that is a form of socialization, like For he's sure. got the same kid. And, you know, also Dylan was in the same school district from pre-K through the transition program. So from four years old to 22 years old. Also, he had um, the same, he had probably five out of 10, I mean, maybe even more of that, same kids in his actual classroom or program, the same kids since pre-K. So right. they, like they all, whether, I'm not saying they're besties, like, you know, there's definitely, there's people doing, does not prefer I won't name names but <laughs> but you know it's a sense of a community and like a understanding you know what I mean um that they're always around each other you know yeah and in your school district testing unified mm -hmm. did yeah. a particularly amazing job with that oh yeah they're so, great I so love, I love testing He's in a day program, but he's doing distance learning. Mm -hmm. So far, that's been a, this experience has been very positive. Do yes. You, have they given yeah. you any sense of when people are moving back in? Or are we still waiting for the pandemic? Well, they, well, they just opened up the facility, but they're, again, it's only people that were already in there. Um, they're having a hard time hiring new yep. staff because when you pay minimum wage mm -hmm. to work with a very vulnerable population that needs a lot of support I mean we and I can go on for hours yeah that same person can go work in in and out and make several dollars more yeah I mean, this is a whole world crisis that we're yeah. all facing right now yeah for sure um 
it's not just the day programs either. Like nope. there's a huge shortage of respite workers. Yep. Um, there's a huge shortage. I know of many people that have medically vulnerable individuals like with um, you know serious medical conditions or in wheelchair bound or or need you know breathing assistance stuff like that yeah and there's such a shortage of nurses even that will go out now to the home that there's i know of um i know of someone in the community and a friend that um her son was out for two years like and he has cp and then what was really terrible was he had been in the same he's a much older you know and he was in the same adult day program which he loved he's literally painted or his picture is on the side of this bus right and everybody sees it around town and testing and after years and years and years and they love him he loves them um somebody um from the regional center decided that wasn't appropriate for whatever reason setting for him anymore and um tried to to say he couldn't go there anymore and this was after two years of covid anyways and they had to fight and they finally got him back in. But these are the kind of situations that um, a lot of people are dealing with. And then don't even get us started on the ABA crisis right now and um, turn around and things happening there. So it's a really like, you know, vulnerable time, I think for our community and, you know, especially um, it just seems odd that there's so much available if you're school age, but yep. then once you age out, it's just, it's a whole, you know, I, I, for years and years, I heard people talk about this, especially when I worked for Autism Speaks, and I used to hear people talk about, you know, once your kid is an adult, no one, it, it's like, you know, crisis mode, no one cares there's hardly any services and i i thought because i am so involved and i do this professionally and like you know that i don't know that i would i felt like i was on top of it to plan but when it actually happened i realized that it is true and it's pretty sad <laughs> it is um hoping you know just getting our information out there to people and help I mean you're you're like planner extraordinaire and um a pandemic on top of the state of just adult services are poor on top of the fact that we are paying people that do this work minimum wage mm -hmm. I had to make a life change professionally because the stress of it all was too much for me when part of its insurance companies and states don't reimburse enough. Yeah. So if you're using private insurance, the reimbursement rate has not inc increased, but cost of living has gone up. Cost yep. of gas has gone up. People need to be paid more to survive. Mm -hmm. And frankly, companies aren't paying more because their bottom line, the insurance companies won't increase their rates and people don't want to dip into their profit margins. So that's yeah. a whole other podcast, you know, I can get going off on, <laughs> but let's, 
let's leave this with the fact that Dylan's climbing back up that hill, you and him. He's happy, dude. Climbing up that cliff. He's yes. getting to the top of the cliff so he can sing The Hills Are Alive. Yes, he literally <laughs> will. Yep. That would be the next musical. That's right. And then <laughs> what I'll do is I'll put in our session notes for this podcast. I'll put my email. Mm-hmm. And if any family members listening or ABA practitioners who might be guiding families are listening and they want to ask specific questions, mm-hmm. they can email us so that we can maybe see how we might be able to answer their questions. Definitely. Always here to help. And one last thing I want to leave with for families is, especially if your child's in a transition program, even if it's their first year, start now. Yep. And make sure you have both your regional center involved, but also, um, you know, do your research. Make sure also that the transition program is actually working with the regional center and helping support, guide you on right. finding the appropriate program to where you are prepared and have something at least on a waiting list or prepared um, I, at least a year in advance. Don't wait. Don't wait. Thanks, Jen. Thank you, Kelly. Bye everyone. Bye.